0: I tell our kids all the time, you're not gonna appreciate anything we do until you're gone. I said, but the when you're gone and I get that mile and a half long text message from you, uh, it puts tears in my eyes. Cause you know, I wish you would learn it sooner, but the important thing is at some point you do learn it. We tell our kids, we don't train you for the state meet. We train you for life. All the things we're trying to do, establish who you're gonna be as a person. Hey, everybody.
1: Welcome back to the High School Coaches Club. I'm your host, Max Price. As always, I'm honored to bring another phenomenal high school coach to here today. I don't take this responsibility lightly, and in a world in which we have infinite choices, I seriously can't thank you enough for choosing to click the play button on the High School Coaches Club. And a huge thank you to Will Miner and the gang over at Netting Pros for sponsoring the club. If you need any facility improvements, make Netting Pros your first call. Not only will they help you design it, but they'll do it all custom for you. From the fabrication to the installation, they've got you covered for netting, digital graphic wall padding, turf, turf protectors, cubbies, windscreen, ball carts, you name it. They crush the baseball and softball world on a daily basis, but they also get after it in football, soccer, lacrosse, track and field, golf courses, and just about any sport you can imagine. They are truly making facilities better all across America, providing high-quality products and services for facilities, fields, courses, and stadiums throughout the country, not only at the high school level, but for recreational, collegiate, and professional sports as well. You can contact them today by calling 844 844- emailing info at nettingpros.com visiting their website nettingpros.com or by checking them out on twitter instagram facebook and linkedin for all their latest products and projects netting pros they're improving programs one facility at a time this podcast is also sponsored by driveline plus high school coaching is about effectively identifying and communicating what athletes need to do to improve Driveline Plus is a growing and ever-changing library of the best information on baseball player development. Members will find how-tos on different baseball technology and the latest research findings from Driveline's lab, along with inside access to driveline trainers to make sure you can effectively coach your team. Plus members also get the best discounts that you can find on driveline training gear. As a matter of fact, just this week I received 20 dozen of their good enough practice baseballs. Uh, they, they're phenomenal. Trust me. All of you wonderful members of the high school coaches club can get 25 bucks off your first year of driveline plus by using the coupon code H S C C go to drivelinebaseballcom plus to learn more. You can find the link down in the show notes. In this episode, I'm joined by the head cross country and track and field coach for St. Joseph Ogden High School in Illinois. His name is Jason Retz. And as you'll learn over the course of the next hour or so, he's one of those coaches that just gets it. The way he talks about his purpose, his passion for running, his love of seeing athletes overcome struggle, it's inspiring stuff. And I promise you, you're going to love it and you're going to love him. So let's do it. Let's dive in. It's episode 63 with Jason Retz. All right, Jason Retz, thanks for joining me today. Well, good to be here. Uh, really happy to have you on. I know, um, you know, we we talked off air. We were kind of connected through Eric Detman, who, who I had on uh, before from uh, Lincoln High School here in Oregon. And uh, it's funny, I, I, you know, I coach baseball, and the the baseball world is pretty small. But for whatever reason, the running world in this country, especially at the high school level, is it, it seems incredibly incredibly tiny. Just everybody seems to know everybody in the running world.
0: For sure, and uh, the good thing is you you have similar. Uh, experiences being a distance coach and a, a running coach so you are able to connect with people regardless of who they compete against because it's a uh, pretty similar what you're trying to achieve regardless of where you're at
1: yeah that's actually kind of where i wanted to start is that you, you know you obviously as a track coach you you're involved in you know you have a decent understanding of everything that happens but um you specifically are are kind of deep into the distance running game. I mean, I know you uh, in college uh, were an All-American for 3,200-meter relay, which is hard to even fathom running that far for someone like me. Um, you know, as, as like kind of like a math teacher, you know, it, they always have to deal with people saying, oh, I hate math. You know, I, I don't like math. And I, I know for running, it's it's kind of a similar thing for a lot of people where they as soon as they hear running, it's kind of like, ah, I'm out. Uh, and it's it's something that for a lot of people, it's a hard kind of mental block to get past. Do you, was there like a point in your life that you could kind of trace back to when you kind of fell in love with with the idea of running?
0: Absolutely. I, I grew up playing all sports. I played baseball, I played basketball, I played hockey, I did all those things. And um, I loved being on part of a team, and honestly, when I started running, I joined the cross country team to get in better shape for basketball, um, so mm-hmm. that I could that I could make the two mile time that our coach would require us to run to even make the team for basketball. So, when I went into it, it wasn't necessarily for a love for running; it was to help me get in shape for these other sports. And what I found was over time, it took me a couple of years to figure this out, but over time, you know, the great thing about the sport of running was I saw the result of every bit of work I put in, I didn't have to wait for a time to get on the floor or a time to get on the field. Um, if I put in the work, I was able to show that off immediately. Um, I didn't have to wait for the ball to get passed to me and, and make a shot. You know, I, I could do it right away. And so through the improvement in the progress that I was able to make through the work that I put in, I fell in love with it. Um, and that's, to me, one of the best parts about um, the sport of cross-country track.
1: That's what I've heard a lot of uh, track and field and cross country people kind of talk about is that idea of um, kind of like instant feedback like you – like for baseball, like if I if I become a better hitter today, I might not know that for another three months, right? Like I won't really know until I'm competing against other people and there's still the output from someone else. Like someone has to throw me the pitch and then – I've got to do it like so it's not as clean cut as as being able to immediately look and say, look, I, my, my time is better. I'm better than I was yesterday. And like that, that kind of it's not always linear, of course, there's ups and downs. But just that ability to immediately impact your own um, outputs is something that a lot of people I've talked to in the running and, and, and track and field world seem to really gravitate towards.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely wild because it's literally the instant gratification of the moment that gives you Uh, That feeling or that joy from the work you've put in, but it's literally hundreds of miles and hours put in for those (laughs) few seconds of improvement. So it's absolutely wild uh, for for the two to line up the way they do.
1: yeah i married into a, a track family so my wife ran ran track and, and in college and then her sister did the same and then her little brother was uh into track he's he's actually much more into cross country and um so i've i i, I you know growing up i don't really spend any time in the track and field environment hardly at all because it was during baseball season so it have been really hard to go and see it anyway but um then i married into it and uh man, you're right. You, you, you train for so long and so hard. And then, you know, when, when race day comes up, uh, depending on, you know, how far you're running it or whatever the event might be, like, it can be over, like you say, it can be over in, you know, 12 seconds. And it's like, Oh, cool. (laughs) like So months of work and work. And then you get to, you know, that maybe regionals or districts or even state stuff. And it's like, wow, it's over in a flash. It's it's so fast.
0: Yeah. And I think as, as a coach now, that's why I, focus on the weather so much because I know all the work these kids have put (laughs) in. Not that I can control it, but I just pray for good days because they put in so much work, you know, let that pay off in the way of a number, hopefully for them somehow.
1: That's hilarious. I'm I'm obviously in Oregon right now, and it's uh, it has been raining for about seventy hours nonstop. And I'm looking outside. My backyard has literally turned into a puddle, and it reminds me of of cross country season here in Oregon because you never know what you're going to get. It's probably much the same in in, in Illinois and other places of the world, but you just, uh, especially cross country, there are obviously some races where it is just it's kind of it, it's nasty. <laughs> it's brutal right. outside.
0: Yeah, that's a. Uh... We're, we're similar here. It could be 32 degrees one day and then mm-hmm. it could be 70 the next. And, and we could have a monsoon one day and then it'd be uh dry as can be in the next. So, yeah, as a coach, we're, we're coach like
1: as a coach, how do you train? For, I mean, cause like for, for others, I mean like for basketball, you know, obviously you don't have to worry about it. like, and for, for a lot of sports, you don't have to worry about that. How do you, do you like factor that in when you're trying to run practices, like trying to, obviously you talked about weather before. So like, are you looking at race day and what the weather's supposed to be and trying to emulate those conditions in practice? Like, how does that work?
0: Well, I think it's just a mentality that you try to create with your athletes that whatever is thrown at you is going to be okay. And so, you know, you can't practice what the weather's going to be when you don't know. Right. But we take certain situations where, Nothing's going to prevent us from what we're doing. Now, we may adjust what we need to do. No, the only thing that's going to prevent us here is lightning, right? We're not not (laughs) lightning. But anything else, you know, we're going to adjust to to be safe for the kids, but nothing's really going to slow us down. We we may move practice a little earlier, or we may practice in the morning if it's going to be super hot. You know, we're going to keep the kids safe, but nothing's going to prevent us from doing what we need to do. You know, a rain outside, we're going to go get it done. Uh, So I think just creating that mindset with the kids that – Regardless of what it's doing, we're still are going to get it done. Uh, I think that really helps. And it puts them in a good place when they walk to the starting line if there's bad conditions, knowing that, hey, we practice in this and, and this isn't anything to us.
1: Well, and you mentioned earlier about how you originally, and this seems to be the case for a lot of people, they join cross country as a way to get in shape or stay in shape or whatever for something else. And then they fall in love with it. We had a, a, an eighth grader this past year who played in our youth baseball program and played in our summer program and then I uh, got to this fall of his freshman year this school year and uh, I get an email about halfway through the cross-country season from him and he's like hey coach I know I was planning on playing baseball but I I started cross-country running just to get in shape and he's like I love it and I, I just want to run now and uh, there's just something uh, that you, you might not notice it unless you go and watch cross-country teams or, or if you're a part of one but uh, cult might not be the right word but it's like w- once you get in with a cross country team it's really bizarre how w- from the outside looking in they seem to be so i don't know it's like a giant group of like best friends and i i'm sure it goes back to the training and the the just the the conditions and the environment and then uh, on race day and everything that it goes into but it's just like it's so much more than just like you're showing up to run cross-country events. There's just something about those teams that is really unifying and uniting. And I'm not sure exactly what it is, but it's it's been really interesting to see from the outside looking in.
0: Well, I think part of that is that early in the sport, especially when you've never done it before, you do get that instant gratification. Every race that you race, you're going to probably show some improvement. And so I think part of that you know Mm -hmm. generates some excitement within the sport so if you've never done it before you race the first time you don't even have any clue what you're doing Uh, then the second (laughs) time you do it you're probably going to be at least a little bit faster in to a point so i think until you kind of actually get into the sport and start training you're going to just see those constant improvements as you go especially at a very young age that that really can suck you in and make it very enjoyable
1: so you going back to your own high school experience, you, you obviously mentioned you got into car, uh, cross country at that time. Um, can you kind of take us back to your high school days and like what was your your uh, sporting environment like and, and and what was your time in high school like personally?
0: Well, when I started, like I said, when I started, I was trying to get in shape for basketball and I didn't do any training over the summer and I ran cross country during the season. Um, and then once I got done with the season, I I played basketball and then I played baseball after that. And uh, it happened to be the year that we had rain nonstop. And as a freshman team, we only had six baseball games. So I literally practiced an entire season for six games. And it was just terrible. It was absolutely terrible. So (laughs) I, uh, my cross country coach didn't say anything to me about running track. He just, he kind of let freshmen do what they do. And in my sophomore year, um, I started to get a little better at cross country. I still didn't realize why I was there, Um, but I ended up running um, running track as a sophomore. And there was a moment in my life where we had a very good group of seniors uh, during the cross country season. Our number one runner got mono. Uh, they should have probably won the state championship, but obviously you take your number one runner out of it and things change. And I was not a part of that. I was the slow kid. I was I was not any good at all. Um, and there was a moment during the track season where I ran in a four by eight and I was one of the legs with these guys and I was by far the slowest one. And after the race was over, we look at the splits and he just says, you know, we're going to need somebody to step up next year because all these guys are graduating. And that was, to me, he took the time in his life, in my life, to point out that, hey, somebody needs to step up. He didn't say, Jason Retz, you are the person that needs to lead this team. He just said somebody needs to step up. And in my brain, if he's taking that time to tell me that somebody needs to, it's got to be me. right? Um, And from there, that moment changed my life forever. I mean, I could tell you exactly where I was standing. I could tell you what the weather was like. I mean, I could tell you everything about that moment. Um, And that was the aha moment in my life. And so from then on, I've always taking that mentality that somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to step up and I've always made it be me. Um, my junior and senior year, uh, I was significantly better until I came back to coach at St. Joe. I was still in the top 25 list of all time. Uh, thankfully I've coached enough kids. I'm not on that list anymore, hey, right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it, it propelled me to everything I do now, even, even with coaching. Um, I don't rely on someone else to get it done. It's got to come back through me. If it's going to get done, it has to be me that makes that happen. And so I think that that summarizes my high school career because I didn't realize it was my responsibility till I was about halfway done with my career uh, in high school. And then once I, I got that moment, uh, it changed everything. And it's been awesome ever since.
1: Oh yeah, then you, like I mentioned, uh, kind of at the top of the show, then you eventually become an All-American in college for running the 3200 meter, uh, which which at the time, did you ever, or have you ever, I'm sure you have, um, taken a step back and just kind of reflected on how crazy that is just from where you were, Even you know, just talking now as a freshman and a sophomore running cross country to where you ended up in college?
0: Yeah, and I, I think I... I think of that all, all the time. And, you know, I, I tell some of our kids that are slower. I say, I don't really have any sympathy for you because I was terrible. <laughs> I, yeah. my, I always phrase that I was the 11th fastest girl on our team as a freshman. <laughs> like I, I would got beat by 10 girls on our team. That's how bad I was. And I put in the work to make it happen th- with my teammates and with my coaches. So I know that anybody can do it because if I have the ability to do it, being as bad as I was to start anybody can do it. It's just a desire and a, a will and want to do it. And so I, I think that's really helped propel any kid has a chance to be good. It, every single one does. Uh, it's just the matter of connecting those dots in their brain and making it happen.
1: It's really neat as coaches because everybody takes a different path to coaching. So you get some coaches who, um, The sport, whatever it might be, the sport was really easy for them their whole life, and um, they can be a great coach. But then also, I think there's something a little bit special or unique or different, or I don't know if the word better is right, but I'm going to use the word better anyway. Uh, Better about a coach who maybe wasn't that good and had to work really hard to become good because they understood – and understand what it takes to reach that level. Whereas somebody who maybe was a little bit more naturally gifted, um, not that they didn't work hard for it, but they just, there's a different level of understanding you have to have in order to become good when you're, when you weren't good from the start. And I think that experience and, and going through that, like you're talking about, I think that ultimately makes you a, possibly a better coach because you have that to rely on. And like you're saying, you can have conversations with kids where you're like, You might be slow. I don't really care because I I know you can be fast because it happened for me. And I was (laughs) like you're saying, I was really slow, too.
0: Exactly. And, you know, you everybody on their team has their own personality and have gone from being slow to faster. You have the ability to know kind of what those personalities are, where they are in their life, because you've been there. You weren't always the fast and you weren't always the slow kid, but you can make those connections with kids because you were at that point in your life at some point. And so it, it does make it a little easier to know what they're going through now. Whether they connect with you or not, you have the ability to at least try to develop that relationship. Mm-hmm. At what point did you know you wanted to be a coach? Honestly, probably that moment uh, my sophomore year when Coach Ackland said to me, "Somebody needs to step up." Uh, and it wasn't necessarily it wasn't necessarily then that I understood that. What made me understand that was when I finally put in the work and saw how easy it was. Don't get me wrong. Uh, putting in the work is hard, but how easy it was to improve if I just listened to what he told me to do. Uh, I knew that I, I had the ability um, to share the things I had done to help people improve on their life. Um, I wouldn't be talking to you right now if I would never have had that conversation with my coach. And that's so th- awesome. that's some of the, one of the amazing things, uh, I try to reflect on and tell the kids, I tell our kids all the time, you're not going to appreciate anything we do until you're gone. I said, but the when you're gone and I get that mile and a half long text message from you, uh, it puts tears in my eyes. Cause you know, I wish you would learn it sooner, but the important thing is at some point you do learn it.
1: That's funny. I had a this is a weird story, but I, in college we had to as part of my education training like classes. I had to go back and interview a like a teacher from my own high school, and I went and talked to a guy named Dan Bless, who's a history teacher, and we got into a conversation. One of the things he said in the conversation was that he really likes like as a teacher. You don't really know the impact you're making. And he's like, sometimes, you know, five years down the road, a kid will text you or send you an email, like you're saying, and you'll you'll get that gratification. But he's like, a lot of times as a teacher, you don't really get that in the moment, obviously. You don't really know the impact you're making or not. And he's like, I always remember, he said, that's why he enjoys doing yard work and like mowing the lawn so much because he can see the immediate like feedback he's (laughs) getting as he's doing it because um as a coach you don't like you i mean obviously in in terms of like improving their times and stuff and their athletic ability that's one thing but um the person that they become and and all the the stuff that really truly matters at the end of the day like a lot of that stuff you're saying you, you really don't you really don't know the impact until five, 10, 15, 20 years later. And it's a long game. Uh, But if you're in it for the right reasons, I think it's going to be a big payoff when it happens.
0: Yeah, for sure. One of the things we've gone to is we tell our kids, we don't train you for the state meet. We train you for life. All the things we're trying to do, establish who you're going to be as a person. And so the journey we take to get there is through running and running can teach you so much about yourself. The results of what you get are from becoming a better person, and really, that's the number one thing, most important to us. Um, the last text message I just got from an athlete um, that told me I was right, which I don't need to hear, right? But it's just funny. <laughs> it says it, it pain. The the first line was, "It pains me to tell you this," oh, but gosh. <laughs> so <laughs> it was it was good. Um, hilarious. Puts a smile on your face. But but you're right. we we're, we're not. I don't care how fast they run. I care about who they become. It's just running helps us establish a way to teach them who they can become. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So you you went to college, obviously, and then, uh, of course, became a coach and and whatnot. So can you take us just through that journey from uh, college up until where you currently are now?
0: Sure. So uh, I ran collegiately for a few years. I tore my Achilles in half, and unfortunately, I wasn't (laughs) able to – perform at a collegiate competition level after that. Um, I still cycled on a cycling team for a a few years. Um, but when I was, uh, doing my student teaching, I was put into a school and I started teaching, or I'm sorry, coaching as well. And they told me I was going to be coaching the girls. And, and I, I was like, I don't know if I can do that. I didn't even know what times were good, uh, when I was (laughs) that age. Um, so I started doing that. I, I coached Charleston high school in Charleston, Illinois. And, Uh, had a ton of success. Uh, The kids were absolutely great. The girls, the coach gave me full freedom of the distance runners. And I was able to just immediately jump in all in and do whatever I wanted. And we had a a lot of success uh, for two years where I coached there. Um, I moved on to Arcola High School, which is a very tiny high school. And I coached everything. I coached football. I coached basketball. I coached volleyball. I coached track. They didn't have cross country at the time. Um, And they still don't, but I coached absolutely everything. And I I coached there for six years and had a blast. Uh, We went from a team that was never winning conference to a team that was winning every single year uh, for the conference for the boys and girls. And our numbers grew and the quality went through the roof. Uh, The year after I left, they actually finished third as a team at the Mm. track state meet. So that was pretty awesome to watch as well. Um, So after I left there, I came back to uh, my hometown, St. Joe Ogden and was able to uh, start rolling here. And I took over cross-country and track, uh, and our track program is phenomenal. We have boys and girls. We combine them together, and we utilize the strengths of the coaches that are on staff, and they take that group. So, for example, I take all the distance runners, regardless if they're boys or girls, and our girls' head coach was a, a heptathlete in college, and so she takes the sprinters and jumpers. We have a throws coach that... Um, was a thrower, um, one of our throws coaches uh, threw at Wichita State, which and did the decathlon. Which, if you know anything about Wichita State, has phenomenal decathletes. Um, almost every year they have somebody competing for an NCAA title. Um, so we have a very unique program where we're boys and girls combine, um, and I'm the head boys coach, but I take all the distance runners, and so I get to coach those kids year round and cross country and track and develop some fun relationships and, and really enjoy it. So. Um, we've had our fair amount of success. I think we've established, or we've gotten nine state trophies in the last, uh, eight or nine years. Um, so it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Um, 2020, we didn't have state championship for cross country and, um, we just missed out on one in track last year. So uh, it it's, it's been good and it's been fun to uh, be able to come home and, and coach where I graduated from.
1: Yeah, there's something kind of cool about uh, coaching at your own place, and uh, it's kind of like you mentioned earlier, the the you know watching other people, athletes that are under your care, kind of take your name off the record books and things like that. There's a certain level of gratification that comes from that of knowing what. Um, you went through at high school at that same place and helping other kids kind of travel through that same thing. Um, For people who, you know, like me, who really don't know much about St. Joe Ogden, can you kind of just give us like the overview? Where is it? Um, What's the school like, the size, kind of that sort of stuff?
0: Sure. Uh, So we're in St. Joe, Illinois. We are about 10 miles east of Champaign where the University of Illinois is. Um, We have roughly 430 kids in our school. So we are a small school and we... In our area, we're pretty competitive in all of our athletics, um, but especially in our running programs. Um, we've we've won, I think, sixteen trophies um, since eighty nine. Um, we are we're okay in the competitive realm of things. Um, we are um, we're not getting any bigger. Even though we've got U of I closer to us, there are several towns that are just a little bit closer that are growing. So we're not necessarily a, a growing population of people, but we're also not getting a ton smaller. I think we capped at almost 500 students about two years ago, and we're all the way down to 430, just to give you some idea um, what our population looks like. Um, we are not a Catholic school, even though we're St. Joseph Ogden. Funny story, Abraham Lincoln stayed with our postmaster. Uh <laughs> <laughs> when uh, there was a snowstorm. And so Lincoln called him Saint Joe for uh, letting him stay at his house. So now we're Saint Joseph. We are not a Catholic school. I can't hilarious. recruit.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, you might be the only saint, saint, any school, but certainly Saint Joseph, that's not a Catholic school in the country.
0: Uh, several years ago, we had played somebody in the playoffs for football who didn't know us. And they were also a Catholic school. And one of the things he said, and this has been almost 20 years ago now, but one of the things he said was, it's good to see two Catholic schools this far in the playoffs. Uh, and our our uh, football coach was too nice to not tell him that we weren't a Catholic school until after, after we beat him. <laughs> so close, not quite.
1: Oh, that's funny. <laughs> so,
0: when you uh, when you
1: took over, so you you know you're handed the keys of the program or whatever. Um, what were what was kind of your first steps? Like as you're kind of looking over the program, where it is, what it has, what it's all about. Um, what were kind of the first things you did when when you took over there?
0: So I think one of the things that was important to me was just kind of reestablish the culture and what the expectations were. There were a lot of kids on the team. There were almost forty boys on the team, but we had a lot of throwers and a lot of people who were there to participate. Um, And I didn't want people there to just participate. I wanted people there with a purpose. Um, Now, whether the purpose was to be a good teammate or was to just see how good you could do, that was great. But I I wanted to make sure that what we were doing was purposeful. When you showed up every day, it wasn't just to talk to your friends. It was there to take care of what we needed to take care of. And sometimes that was on an individual basis, Um, but we took care of what we needed to and tried to be the best version of ourselves. And I think that took very little time uh, because my high school coach was actually filling in as a coach uh, the year before I got here. There was a set of circumstances which forced him kind of back into that position. And so he was kind of filling the gap until I came back. And so it wasn't as difficult for me to establish because the guy who had helped me establish a lot of my beliefs was the guy in control before me. So it wasn't as difficult to get things rolling as well as, as they are now. Um, but it was just a a direct focus of, okay, I'm now the person who's going to be in charge of this thing for a while instead of somebody filling in, if that makes sense to you. Yeah. So having that culture established prior to me being there or or started for me being there was very important, but then just being full blown, um, getting after it, um, it has been very important. Um, one of the things that I love to do is, like, I, I learn. I host a clinic every year um, at my own house for distance runners. Uh, my son actually has his own vlog where he interviews coaches and athletes um, and he runs as well. He's an eighth grader, so I'll get to have him yeah, next year. Awesome. Um, but I love learning. And so I try to take everything I can. And so that comes to the athletes as well. So as I tried to establish culture as we got going, I really had to lean on, uh, knowing my athletes, we would go to movies together. I would, they'd have meals every Friday night. I'd go with them. I'd go hang out and watch a movie, um, at wherever they were at. Um, I would try to do absolutely everything I could to learn who these people were to help establish a culture that could be sustainable. Um, and so that's one of the things we tried to do is make a family environment and having that family environment has been really important to our success over the course of the years. Now, uh, post COVID, It's hurt a little bit um, because I am fairly demanding in the things we do, but establishing that for success is what's necessary. Um, What has changed post-COVID for success is no different than what it was before. For some people, it's just a little more difficult to find it. And I try to do everything I can to help them find it peacefully, uh, but it doesn't always work. Yeah, no kidding.
1: It's kind of changed a lot of the way we have to do things sometimes. Um, yeah when you when you talk about family I think that's again it goes back to what kind of I was, I was trying to get at with the cross-country part of things where it's like the the running world um, it, it's not uh, how do I say it? it's not like your um it's not like you're in this environment where the the competition isn't there because there's so much competition in running, uh, both within um, – obviously competing against yourself is like the number one thing. But then in practices and training, of course, you're competing against each other, uh, and it kind of builds the, the relationships that way. But there's just something different about runners where they're able to come together as a family in ways that I don't see as much – maybe that's not the right way to say it, but I don't see as much in other sports – and I don't know exactly what the reason is behind all of that and whatnot, but it just seems like a lot of times runners or, or track teams or whatever it might be cross country, they end up being really close uh, and really friendly with each other. And they seem to hang out a lot outside yeah. of the running environment. And, um, you know, a, a lot of programs use that term family, but I'm not sure that anyone uses it quite as intentionally and um, honestly as, as track teams tend to do.
0: It's a shared struggle. And you know, by no means am I comparing anything we do to our, our service members or people who are in the fire department or the police department, but there's a shared struggle um, when you're in those environments. And, and when you're a runner, especially a distance runner, there's a shared struggle you have with them every day. And when you can suffer together and see the worst side of people and be there for each other, um, it creates a bond. And I think that's why I've got coaching friends across the nation, because I've never had to have run with them, but we share a bond. And I, I know exactly where they're coming from. And like we talked about at the beginning, um, I know what they go through on a day-to-day basis, even though I'm not at practice and I never have to go to practice f- with them. Um, there's just a, a shared struggle that you have at a high level. Uh, I mean, we have kids passing out and, and you know going to the hospital from working too hard, right? And, and that's just a struggle that it's rare to find that on another playing field unless there's an injury. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. No kidding. Well, that goes into the, like the mental side of it too. Like you, you kind of mentioned it in passing a little while ago, like that mental part of, of especially distance running, um, where you're, you know, you're, you're, you're you know, you you're an all American as 3,200 meter runner. Like that's a, that's a long way. Cross country meets are not like short, fast, little, you know, 12 second runs. Right. And so right. there's, there's a huge mental component to, you know, within the world of, of running, especially distance running. And so just as a coach, like what, what do you do for your athletes? Because, you know, it, it'd be really easy as, as me and many of us who try to run, uh, we get about 30 seconds in and then we just start thinking how much, you know, I don't like this and uh, I'll just walk now. And so there's just this, uh, and that's, uh, you know, dumbing it down a lot, but there's a you huge know, mental right. component to running. So like, what do you guys do to work on that side of things? Because I imagine that's a huge part of what you, what your athletes need to be able to to get through. Uh,
0: I smile, I smile at them a lot. Uh, and, when, <laughs> and when I say that, it's because it's like a shared struggle because I've been yeah. there before. Uh, you know, when a kid falls down, when they're a baby, one of the things that you're, you are told as a parent not to do is run over and tell them, Oh, are you okay? And and make a scene of it because then they create this habit in their brain that anytime they fall, they're going to get that attention and and then they don't grow from it. Well, inadvertently, that's kind of what I do as a coach. When somebody struggles or they're hurting, I celebrate the fact and, and like, I'll smile or laugh at them. Um, and not because I'm making fun of them, but because, I'm a runner too. I've been there. I know exactly what they're going through. And I know that if they can get out on the other side, okay, they're going to be better people because of it. And so like one of the things I try to do is is celebrate struggle. I I love when you love to suffer. I love when people suffer. And I love when people are at their worst moments and they feel terrible because then they're going to see a side of themselves they've never seen before. Um, And if they can learn from it on their own without somebody – helping them up and, and doing the things they need to. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not there for kids, right? That's not what that means. <laughs> yeah. This but is there's a kid. struggle <laughs> they've got to do on their own. So much of our sport is on their own. I can't be beside them all the time. I'm not with them all the time when they're training in the off season. Like, they've got to learn to suffer on their own and be there for themselves. And so if I can support them and let them know that things they're going through are normal for what they're trying to achieve, I think it really helps them out that makes a lot
1: of sense. And it's, you're right. It is, it is something that in a lot of sports, it's hard to, again, not, not comparing sports, but it's kind of hard to replicate that same kind of um, level of suffering. Like for me as a baseball coach, like there's nothing we're going to do in practice that's going to, um, Physically, get you to that point. Uh, There might be some things mentally where, if you know, we're going up against a pitching machine and we've put in a bunch of failure models to make sure you're failing a lot in practice to help you grow, like you're still physically not suffering. Like it's not a thing where you're going to be just so exhausted. It's and so it's, there's just something a little bit different, a little bit tougher that I think runners have to go through. And again, that gets back to that idea of shared struggle that you're talking about, where maybe that is why it creates some you know, so many easy bonds across <laughs> across the country among coaches and other runners. And and um you, I mean, you see it like when two teams face each other in a meet and yeah. after the meets, you know, anytime you watch it, um, even though they were just competing against each other afterwards, so many times you see the kids from different teams hugging each other and like celebrating each other. And it's just, it's such a different environment from a lot of people are used to if they've never kind of been to a, a track or cross country event.
0: You know, Eric's team came out to, Peoria this year and ran at a meet that we were at. Um, they flew across the country and and we were there. We gave them a tent to set up and, and make sure that they had everything they needed. But you know we are competing against them. But as soon as that thing is over, we're taking pictures with them. I, I'm giving those guys a hug because you know I know what they've been through and it's awesome that they can do it with us. You know when you can be somewhere and suffer with somebody, it, it just creates another bond on top of itself. So I, it's just some it's just something special about the sport that. You know, I played the other ones and I love the other ones. I'm not knocking any of the other ones, but it's just different. It is just absolutely different.
1: Yeah, in a lot of ways. Yeah. And one of the ways it is really different. And I talked to Detman about this, too, is the idea of of um, like the trust you have to have in assistant coaches. So, you know, again, as a baseball coach. Even within our positional groups, like I can see everything. Like you know, I know what's happening. It's it's easy to step in and help and and help propel things forward and 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 make things right if things aren't going the way that I think they should be going. But uh, in the track and field world, you have so many different positional groups. You know, it's it's kind of like football, but even crazier because you're not even you're not even really replicating some of the same things in a lot of those groups. And so you have to have obviously coaches in each of those groups who can really do their job, I guess, for lack of a better word. So when you kind of took over, how many of those coaches were already in place? And then like, what have you had to do since then to build up your coaching staff to get it to a point where you you really like it?
0: So for cross country, um, I've had the same assistant coach for all but one year, but she came in after um, another one left. And since then, she had a son who ran for me and she ran, uh, she did half marathons and was a runner, but was really like a, a pedestrian runner went out and and completed it to say she completed it. And I know she wouldn't be offended by me saying that, (laughs) 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 but, uh, but she's like, she's like my big sister. And so we get along, we share everything. She is our school counselor. So she has a connection with the kids that other people don't have. Um, and so it creates a great bond because, the knowledge of the sport doesn't matter if you can't connect to the kids. And so she does a great job of being able to do that. On the track side, we've got a coach for every, almost every single group that we've got. So no one's by themselves. And, and almost every single person competed collegiately um, that we've set. Uh, my sprint coach on the guy's side ran with me in high school. He competed collegiately for a few years. And so we really... We really try to put people in that position that have experience and have shared those type of um, uh, those experiences that those kids are going through. And I think that's really important because at the end of the day, when a kid's struggling, you know kind of what their struggle is because you've been there before. You know what? I coached football and and I help coach football, but I never played football and I really enjoyed it. But it was a thing where I I didn't really know what the kids were going through when they were out on the Mm -hmm. field because I had never done it before. even volleyball. I played a little bit of club volleyball after I got hurt um, when I got done, but it just wasn't, it's not the same as being on the floor uh, with those kids and compete for a regional championship or a sectional championship. Um, So, you know, being a runner, we've tried to put coaches in position that have experience in what they're doing. And when you put experienced coaches in there that know what they're doing, um, there's less that I have to worry about because I know that they've shared experience with those kids and can cue them accordingly. When we go to meets for track and we're split and the guys are at one meet and the girls are at another meet, I'll communicate with the coaches that aren't going with us on the cues that I need to say to those kids, because, you know, I can watch and I know everything that needs to go. But for example, with the throwers, whatever they worked on in practice that week probably needs to be their focus. And I don't want to cue them on something different. So having those knowledgeable coaches in place has been a huge help. Uh, because I can trust everything that they're doing and I don't have to go there one time and watch them practice. Now I, I go, um, see what they're doing and I do other things like that, but I don't have to coach them when I'm there. I trust what those guys are doing and it's awesome. It's awesome. I can be a fan of the sport when I go over and watch another event group.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. It's something again, that's, uh, kind of unique about the, the track world where, um, It's hard to imagine, like, again, as a team sport coach, like, it's really hard to imagine me like going to our game, you know, tonight or whatever, and like the pitchers doing their own complete thing and me not even really hardly being able to see them or watch them because I'm over here with the catchers or something. It's just like, it's a weird, it's a weird thing to wrap your mind around if you've never seen it or been around it. And that level of trust that you have to have in your assistants is so huge, in that world. And again, you can, you can watch, you can help observe, you can help and all that stuff. But um, just having those people in place is something that is it's important in every sport. But I think, again, I think they would keep using the same term. It's just different in the yeah. track world.
0: Well, and, and you know, this even as a baseball coach, that each of your coaches has their own coaching style. And so for me, it's really important not to impede it into that. Mm-hmm. I'm still going to be who I am when I go to support a kid, but I'm not going to be over the top. I'm going to go cheer them on. I'm going to give them a high five. But when I go over to the ring to watch them throw a shot or disc, I'm going to make sure that I don't interfere with the things that are trying to be accomplished. I'm going to go support and be a coach the way I coach, but I'm not going to try to change the coaching style of our coach. That's helped them find success. I I just think it's way too important to let those kids connect with somebody on a daily basis. And, and I want to be the support coach at that point. I want to be the assistant to them. I, I don't want to take over that role because I know that kids connected with them almost every day of the season. And it's important that they have that as their head coach per se.
1: Well, and, and you mentioned earlier, the idea of, you know, one of the things you tried to do is, is establish this culture and, and build this culture of, um, you know, kids who are showing up with a purpose and, and whatnot. Cause I know a lot of times the track world, um, well, even like you, you mentioned, like, as a cross country runner, you originally came into the sport as uh, something to do for a different sport. So you had a purpose, but a lot of times, like you mentioned earlier, um, there are kids that kind of come out for track and field expecting it to be um, more of like a social environment. And so. When you, if we go back to when you first kind of got there and you you mentioned that one of the things as your culture you were trying to set up was that you were going to have a purpose when you were here. Do you have any like specific things that you did or just, was it just talking with a team and individuals? Like, how did you kind of try to create that establishment?
0: Yeah, one of the things I try to do is just to demonstrate it. And for me, tracking cross country is 24 7, 365. And so I think my investment into it helped show them how important it was. Instead of it just being a thing where in season I was talking to them and seeing how they were doing, even when they're in other sports, I'm celebrating the fact, you know, our our girls that are basketball players, I'm celebrating the fact of the things that they're doing on the basketball court. I'm going to watch those games um, as they play. You know, I'm celebrating our football kids that are doing great things. Um, I'm trying to have an investment in them all year round. And that's not fake. They, these kids are great. They're part of my family. And so I, I want to make sure that I'm there for them in any way necessary, even when I'm not their coach. Not overpowering where they come to me for problems, for things that are happening in their sport. Not not in that regard. Um, but just so that they know they've got another person that's supporting them, even though they're not in their season uh, right now. And so I think that's really important to help establish that that purpose, right? Because the purpose for me is caring about them. And if I can show them that I care about them, then everything they do when they show up, maybe they'll return the favor. And I think at the end of the day, that's probably the most important purpose that we can share for them is to care about other people and to be the best version of yourself. Everything else, you know, everything else is just a byproduct of of that result, hopefully. Well, and you know
1: that as much as anybody, when you're at the high school level, if you um, show up for a, a kid's event, whatever it is, sports, band, doesn't matter. If you show up and they see you there, what that does for your relationship with that individual. Um, it strengthens it so much. Like so even a few, a few days, like a week ago, one of our freshman girls, I, I, I teach English and, um, She was asking if I was going to come to their basketball game that night. And I was like, ah, probably not. Like my kids, he's only two. So nighttime is we've got our routine and everything. And I was like, "Yeah, probably not. And I get home and anyway, we decided to go to it anyway. And so we show up and as we're leaving, like she in the middle of a timeout, she probably got in trouble for this. She comes running out into the gym lobby as we're walking out. She goes, hey, thanks for coming. And then runs back in. And it's like that's that relationship that you build with kids through going to their other events is so big. And so what you're saying makes a lot of sense. If you can do that as a coach, like what a cool thing for them that like you don't just care about me as a runner, like you, you actually care about me as a basketball player. Like it, it's really different because I think we live in this society right now where, um, you know, we get a lot more kids specializing in one particular sport, not that it's good or bad, but, um, so we just get into this, we get into this mindset of like only supporting our own sport and if you can get out and support them in whatever they're doing, like what a cool thing for them
0: yeah for sure and it develops a relationship and at the end of the day they're going to be a retired athlete but if they know how to yeah. develop a relationship and care about others our world's going to be a better place
1: what do you do for i i again not to put pressure on you but i keep saying track track guys do this and they do that but <laughs> um one of the things that i know uh just from watching that a lot of cross country and track people do is they have different celebrations and ways that they celebrate athlete success. So, um, talking about t-shirts or, uh, you know, just at the end of a, a race, like people running alongside them, you know, in, inside the field part, or, um, I don't know what belts championship belts out and all sorts of things. Do you have any sort of like celebratory things that you do with athletes or, or senior awards or, or team awards or anything that you do to kind of celebrate the kiddos?
0: Yeah, we, uh, I've tried several things over the years. Some have gone well. Some have kind of faded. But <laughs> One of the things we do in track and field is uh, we have a paper shredder on top of a clear plastic tub uh, okay. that you kind of put put a bunch of stuff in. And every time you have a PR uh, on, on your note card, you write your PR. And then when you break it, you shred it into this bin. And in this bin has shredded PRs from athletes that we've had over the last seven or eight years when we started this thing. And so it's all on different colored note cards. And this thing keeps filling up, filling up. And the sound of that paper shredder, when we get done, back from a meet the next day and, and they're shredding PRs, I asked the kids, I said, isn't that the greatest sound? And a smile goes on their face every time because to know that they were better than they've ever been uh, is awesome. But then to hear the sound of that shredder shredding what they were and then writing on that new note card what they are now it is awesome. Um, and so that's one of the things that's really stuck for us is celebrating uh, shredding PRs. Um, and it's simple to do and easy to do, but we love doing that. Um, in cross country, anytime they get a PR, we give them a, a PR band. Uh, it's just a, you know, one of those plastic bands they can put on their wrist, and um, every time they, they're they better than they were before, they get a new one. In track and field, you know, not everybody races each other all the time, so uh, we give a W band, so if you win your heat, if you win the race, it doesn't even have to be overall, but If you win your race um, or your flight, you get a W band. And so you're trying to give as many Ws as you can because each one is important for the team. Um, With only, you know, eight or nine people in a race for a sprint race and, you know, up to 12 people in a distance race, uh, there could be multiple races where you could help the team from a different race uh, that you're in. So it's important to win Um, and celebrating the fact of the things that it takes to win is what we're trying to celebrate. So you may not be the fastest person. You may be in the slow heat. Um, and there may be three people in your race but if you win that you get a w band because it's important that you do everything you can to win um, your opportunity so That's awesome <laughs> so those are a few of the things I've stuck we give mileage shirts um, every thousand miles our kids log um, we do stuff like that I give them um, a baggage tag that has how many miles for the summer once they hit a certain number um, we do things like that but shredding PRs and giving the bands, I think are the things that have stuck the longest and are most gratifying for the kids. Um, Just kind of celebrating the things that they're doing uh, and everybody can see it. You know, we try to give out the bands at a track meet, the W bands. We circle up after it's over at a track meet. uh, St. Drogden is the first team there and the last team to leave. Um, And (laughs) one of the reasons we're the last team to leave is not only clean up camp, but we're going to make sure we cover and celebrate everything good that's happened at the meet. And so we'll circle up by the goalpost and, and hand those out and, and celebrate them in front of their peers. And I think that's really important for them to see it. Um, and even those kids, you know, the, the biggest smiles on your face are the kids that were in the slow heat and maybe moved up a heat and, and uh, get a win. They may not be in the fast heat. They may not have won on the day. They may not even placed right. But to get that band, there's a big smile on their face that they took care of what they needed to that day. So it's definitely been fun to watch it evolve. Um, and, and take off and, and anytime you can glorify the kids, um, uh, they appreciate it and it helps build that relationship
1: dude that paper shredder idea is might be one of the coolest things i've ever heard uh, it's literally the-, the only
0: original idea i've ever had i mean i stole the <laughs> band idea from other people all our workouts are stolen from other people it's the <laughs> only idea i've ever had in my life that's what I
1: <laughs> it's an awesome one and, and it's so cool too because it's again like you're you just talked about there kind of at the end it's that idea of Celebrating, like competing against yourself, and so uh, the the PR thing, and again goes back to kind of what we talked about the the start of this whole thing is that idea of um, just kind of the the instant gratification, the beating of your own um, standards, and and overcoming those standards, and going you know from you know one speed to the next speed, and just continually growing and. Uh, the sound of the shredder. And, and as anyone knows who's used the paper shredder, they have a very distinct sound. So I'm yeah. sure those kids will be really funny for the rest of their lives. Anytime they use a paper shredder, you know exactly what's going to be going through their head till the day they die.
0: <laughs> well, and they can see the amount of papers that are in their shred, those note cards. And, and you know, we use colored note cards, so there's all the different colors, but I mean, there's nine years worth of shredded PRs in that thing. And, and so to watch it, you know, we had this huge tub when we started and there was just a little bit of paper in the bottom and now the thing is almost half full and, and it's just awesome. You know, shredding note cards, you know how much paper it takes to fill a trash bag. You know, <laughs> yeah. it, it takes tons. And so it's been fun to watch that get bigger and bigger. I'm going to be hunting hopefully for a uh, clear tra- giant trash can someday and just keep filling those things up. I'm never going to throw them away.
1: No kidding. I want to finish here because I want to make sure I get I circle back to this. You mentioned earlier that um, your son hosts his own little um, <laughs> kind of uh, clinics, essentially something like yeah, that. Yeah, well,
0: I love vlog. He interviews coaches and athletes. Yeah, how
1: did that? How did he come about
0: into that world? COVID. Um, so <laughs> when we when we started this thing, obviously I'm a coach and um, trying to keep kids motivated, right? But my son has grown up around the sport since, you know, the day he was born, whether he's sitting in the bleachers in a basketball game uh, watching or out on the course or at the track, he has literally been around his entire life. And so, you know, getting co- or COVID taking away some of his time, um, what he and I decided, and this was a mutual thing. This wasn't like a dad decided kind of thing. Cause I know some people will say it that way, right? Do this, Yeah. yeah. But I said, you know, you got to try to find a way to keep your, your teammates motivated and, One of the things we came up with was, you know, we're at home uh, doing these workouts. Why don't we just record them? And so we started recording some of his workouts, and it's kind of grown into him talking to coaches across the nation. Um, Detman's been on there before, um, and athletes, uh, famous athletes uh, across the nation, and just kind of asking how they can get better or how somebody his age can get better and, and talking to all kinds of things. American fork, Utah um, cross country team last year um, set the national record, which was broke this year, but we um, set the national record and their coach actually um, grew up close here um, in Champaign. And, And so I got to know him over COVID and, and so we interviewed their team after they set the record. So it was fun to watch a bunch of high school kids talk to a junior high kid. Um, and some of the questions they asked. And so he's been able to develop relationships with coaches and athletes and, and had a great time. Um, He just had state this last year. And I said, I told him, I said, you know, you've got a huge cheering system and support system. You know, you're literally getting calls and texts from professional athletes wishing you luck this weekend. Like you don't realize who you can um, help and the impressions you can make on people until you reach out and do it. And so Uh, one of the things he's tried to do is just keep people motivated and it's grown into something uh, bigger than he could imagine and, and it has paid off and and helped out big time so it's exciting
1: that's one of the really cool things that that you know one of the few very cool things that COVID has exposed for all of us is basically two things right one was time Uh, so this chance to pause and I use the word chance, you know, kind of jokingly, but we got to pause for a little while or had to pause for a little while and, uh, find other ways to stay engaged through what we're doing. So you saw a lot of coaches, um, kind of doing more clinics and virtual things and connecting to each other and, and learning about each other. And then, you know, for your son to kind of do the same thing is a really neat, um, little experience. And like you said, man, the, the the impact that that gives to him moving forward for the rest of his life, if it's something he wants to, you know, remain connected to in some way, it's a pretty cool deal.
0: One of the really crazy things was, um, there's a meet about an hour from us and they brought in a bunch of really good kids last year because the season was different last year. So they brought a bunch of really good high school kids and they asked him if he would come down and interview the winners, um, after the race was over. So, he got to stand by the finish line and, and interviewed those kids on Instagram for him. And, and it was, is really awesome. I think for, for Lance, it was one of those things where he just kind of saw the impact he was making. Um, coaches are prescribing that their athletes watch some of these interviews and they'll tell me, and it's just crazy yeah. to me. Uh, but a lot of good stuff and a lot of influential pe- people. So if you go to YouTube and you type in the Lance running vlog, um, he's on Instagram and stuff like that, but um, it's pretty cool. There's some really good interviews. Um, that are very heartwarming to listen to these kids talk to a seventh and eighth grade kid and the way they talk to him. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Uh, just, just really cool. Jason, I, I really appreciated you coming on and, and giving us some time and everything, but, um, wanted to give it, you know, one more chance to obviously there's so many things that we didn't cover, um, you know, fundraising, senior stuff. I don't know. There's leadership, community service, all sorts of different things that um, obviously go into coaching at the high school level. But um, just kind of want to leave it here for you and, and give you the mic one last time. If there's anything you wanted to toss out there, any um, I don't know, shout outs, um, advice to younger coaches, advice to yourself. as I don't know. Whatever you want to do with it is, is totally up to you.
0: Now, I think, I think what you're doing here is the key to everything, is the continual learning, right? Listen to people talk that are outside your realm. Listen to people who have different beliefs than you. And, and I think that's really one of the things that COVID has helped with a lot of people. You know, we've seen more world records fall in distance running over the course of the last year, um, percentage-wise, than we've seen in a long time. And I think a lot of that has because people have continued to learn. They've set time to themselves. They've prioritized. And I think as coaches, if we do that and we prioritize the things we listen to and we continue to learn, our kids are going to be the benefit of that. And at the end of the day, you know, I tell our kids I want to be in the Hall of Fame. And it's not because I want to be in the Hall of Fame because of me. It's because I want to make sure I provide those kids with an opportunity to be successful. And if I do that, um, they'll be successful and, and the results will take care of themselves. So, I, that's not a plea to be in any hall of fame. That's just saying they deserve a hall of fame type coach. And so I got to continue to learn so I can make sure I align with the things I'm asking them to do.
1: I love it. Makes so much sense. Uh, Thank you uh, so much for doing this thing. The the paper shredder idea. There's so much more important stuff that we talked about, (laughs) but the paper shredder idea is something that's going to stick with me for probably a long time and try to figure out how we can replicate something kind of like that. Uh, it's, it's just so cool. So um, appreciate you coming on and, and talking about the shared struggle and, and, and just everything that goes into the mental side. And, and just the running world is so, so fascinating to me because of just all the things that we talked about today and whatnot. So appreciate Detman getting us, uh, you know, connected to each other and, and really appreciate you coming on here. So thank you, Jason.
0: Yeah, it's been a blast. Huge
1: thanks to Eric Detman for connecting me to Coach Retz. I don't know that I've ever chosen to run unless I was forced to do so, but the passion Jason has for running and how people can use their mental experience as a runner to overcome life's many trials and tribulations, it's next level stuff. I just had an absolute blast recording with them. If you aren't signed up for the weekly newsletter or if you haven't picked up some High School Coaches Club stickers, you should definitely do it. Head on over to highschoolcoachesclub.com to get started. Don't forget to leave a rating or a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. And no matter where you're listening, hit that subscribe button. Most importantly, though, if you found any value at all from this episode or any previous episode, please share it with anybody doesn't matter if it's on social media via email through the old-fashioned word of mouth just find a way to bring a few more listeners in who might benefit that's how we all get better and that's how we grow the club huge fist bump to coach rex for jumping on the call with me thanks again to netting pros and driveline plus for sponsoring the episode and of course to you for clicking that play button if you have any recommendations for people who should be guests on the show, be sure to reach out to me, even if that recommendation is you. Follow the club on social media Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at HS Coaches Club. You can follow me on Twitter, at Mr. Max Price, and can reach me via email, Max at highschoolcoachesclub.com. All right, that's it. That's all I got. You're awesome. You matter. Thanks for all you do. And as Coach Lee would say, loving you.